Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode, my guest has launched a book, her first book, Connect, Convince, Convert. And it talks about the strategies and gives practical tips for effective communication. Now, she's got 30 years experience working in the tech sector, up to senior uh, leadership and, and sales. So she shares her experience of being often the only woman in the room and her experience of talking to other tech companies and seeing where they're going wrong in their communication, hence the book. My next guest is a business communication expert, content creator, speaker, and author. She helps technology companies to win more business using the power of words. She's published her book, Connect, Convince, Convert, which shares strategies and practical tips for more effective communication. Hello and welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Carol Benton. Hello, Janice. Uh, thank you for having me. Now, I can see in your background your, your new book. So tell me more about that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's called Connect, Convince, Convert. Uh, and it's it, the aim is that it will help technology companies to win more business by harnessing the power of words. So um, a lot of technology companies are really fantastic at technology. And I worked in that sector for 30 years and I saw, uh, I, I saw that firsthand, but I also saw that a lot of them really struggle to put into words the value they offer. So they're very good at talking tech and telling you what they do. And they're not quite so good sometimes at talking about value or the so what. And my book aims to help them get from the what to the so what. I love that from the what to the so what. And yet I, I um, work with technology companies as well. And I'm on an accelerator, one of the coaches and um, sales uh, leaders on an accelerator program. And uh, technical people are very passionate, at, but not always great at communicating what's in it for, uh, for, for me. So I, I really love the concept of, of this book. So what do you do to kind of turn that around so that um, the, the, the founder or the leader or technical person, and often it's the demo people, that so that turn it around so they can really use the customer's language? Yeah, um, great question. So um, ideally, we start with the strategy. So I've got a five point plan for building a message strategy. Uh, so you've, you've, if you're going to talk the customer's language and you're going to talk about what's in it for them, exactly as you say, you've got to have, uh, you've, you've got to understand who your audience is and be really precise about that. You've got to understand what their goals and aspirations are. You've got to be able to very clearly articulate what you offer, why you're different, and most important of all, what the benefits are for 
the person using your product or service. So we start with that strategy. And the reason we start with a strategy is because that way, all the communication is sort of, I, I like to say, singing from the same hymn sheet. It means that everything is consistent and clear and customer focused by, by starting with that strategy. And then we get into the implementation uh, through, through various forms of content. So why is it that you say that often established businesses in the tech sector still don't really understand who their customers are? I think, Janice, it, it sort of it comes down to complacency, to, to, to be honest. I mean, I, I, you know, I've worked for um, some very large uh, multinational um, tech companies who in the past have just been able to win business based on their name or who they are and they they have great products and that's kind of been enough um, whereas the world isn't like that anymore and, and and so now and and this is why I do find that startups are tend to be better at this technology tech startups tend to be better because they're coming into the world newborn they've got to uh, articulate their value really clearly and be able to explain why they should be uh you know, they should be the one that the customer selects. Um, so I think I think with the larger companies, uh, larger and older companies, maybe it comes down simply to complacency. We've always done it this way. It's kind of served us okay in the past, and they feel there perhaps isn't the need to change. Yeah. So talk to me about in the way that the buyers and customers have changed that has forced this situation such that the legacy companies are now forced to change, but the, the, the startups, the um, more entrepreneurial um, techie people get it. Why is this the misalignment with the larger companies that the, the younger companies get? Um, I think, as I say, it, it, it's, it's partly complacency, and it's the, the other problem they have um, is that when you are inside a business and a lot of people in those companies have been there a very long time. I was nearly 30 years with one company. So, I, I, I you know, I know. Um, but when you're inside the business, you can only see from the inside out. You know, your, you know the business inside out. But actually, in order to be able to communicate you have to be able to see from the outside in. You have to be able to see with your customer's eyes. So I think that is part of the issue. The other thing that's changed in terms of um, buyer behavior in the market is there is so much more competition now. You know, 30 years ago, let's say that there were far fewer, it was all, I mean, I'm not saying there weren't smaller companies around, but the big IT companies, you know, they dominated. And, you know, the old expression about you never got fired for buying IBM. I mean, you know, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM. That just doesn't hold true anymore because there are there is so much competition and there are so many great, fantastic, um, younger, newer, dynamic companies coming through. Um, and I say, I think some of the it, it's not an, an exact split between older companies and new. But I think when you've been in an industry or in a company for a long time, it's very hard to see from the outside in. Mm. 
that's that's a, a really good um, perspective. I uh, scale your sales. The framework really focuses on uh, the customer and buyer experience and how that impacts sales. And this is a lot of what you're talking about as well. Looking from the customer's point of view, using the customer's language from the outside in. So, yes. talk to me um, more about your perspective of uh, customer experience, buyer experience, and the impact on sales. Uh, look. Customer experience is, is everything on the impact of sales. I mean, I, I write a lot. I particularly specialize in, uh, well, not just the tech sector, but I particularly specialize in, in tech for the retail um, the retail sector uh, and technology for the retail sector. So I do a lot of research and all the research shows that people are even willing to pay a higher price for a better experience. I mean, of course, there is, there's always gonna be people who go based on price, but customer experience whether it's in retail, whether it's in service provision, like, like you and I, you know, the industry that you and I are in, customer experience really is everything. Um, as I say, research shows that people will pay more. And it's not just about paying more. It's about the fact that they will then tell other people about their great experience. We know they also tell people about a bad experience. So either way, you've got not only the customer, the customer themselves, who comes back, of course, if they have a good experience and doesn't, if they have a bad experience, but then they tell others either way. Um, so it, it really is like a double whammy and it's like a ripple effect. Uh, cu customer experience is, is absolutely paramount. So in the, the tech industry, how much do you think they're actually picking up on that? Because customer experience does trump product and price, and they're very focused on their product. They may be talking about the benefits, but they're, they're selling their product. So how do you think there's a sensitivity to creating experience around the product or the process has an experience to it? Um. Yes, I think I think there is. I mean, I'm primarily focused on communicating about the product or service. Um, and that is about communicating. So it's not about delivering the experience per se, but it's about communicating. Uh, and, and of course, communication is an experience in, in itself. Um, but yeah, I, I think that um, I, I think that uh, Certainly, in terms of communicating about that experience, uh, it's 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 all about explaining to the customer how their life or their business will be better if they purchase your product or service. And I, and, and I guess that is part of experience. So, uh, yeah, it's it's as you say, it's all about um, talking about benefits and the what's in it for them. How is their life? How is their business? going to be different how are you going to help them achieve a goal meet an aspiration or overcome a hurdle mm. and that in that sense it's it's all about experience yeah yeah i often um talk about the customer's outcome and understanding what that is what they're trying to achieve and if you understand what they're trying to achieve then you're almost, as you you talk a lot about using the customer's language, as I do, uh, and that's where we're really connected. If you understand what their outcome is, often you need to explain that back to 
a customer? Have you often found this? And I, if you use words like imagine, and you're putting them back in the space they want to be, because they're, as you say, they're internally thinking of all of the challenges and problems. And part of the experience you deliver, I feel as a salesperson, is get them to imagine they're out of that problem and they're actually in the world they want to be in. They're having the outcomes they want to. So I think that's a massive communication tool that creating the experience by imagining it, by understanding what is the outcome that the customer wants? I don't know what your view is. Uh, I, I could not agree with you more. And I love, I, I use the words, you know, imagine. I, I've got a tool that I use in the in the strategy workshop. Uh, it's called the, you know how, imagine if. So it's the, you know how, and you, you describe a problem. Imagine if, and you paint this picture of the world with, I mean, really a benefit is just the opposite of a problem. So you've got to start by really clearly understanding the problem. But what I do find is that even when people can articulate the problem or the aspiration, and then they talk about, well, this is our, our product or service, then they think that the job is done. And they think, well, if I've articulated the goal, the aspiration, and I've articulated what I do, well, it's obvious that what I do helps me meet that goal. And it's not obvious. This is the thing. And this is the bit that I find is missing. I, I say to clients, you've got to join the dots. You know, those dot to dot uh, pictures you have when you're a kid and if you don't join the dots you can vaguely see that it's I don't know a picture of an ice cream van or whatever but when you join the dots you can see it really clearly so if you don't play back those benefits to the customer they might get a sense of it but you've got to really take them there on that journey and, and I love the use of uh, language like imagine if or you know uh, picture you know because it is it is a um, it is a you know a it is all about the imagination and imagining themselves in that situation. The, the other comment I would make is that the higher the level of goal or aspiration you can help them achieve, and I'm sure you've I'm sure you found this. The the the, the not necessarily the faster the sale or the smoother the sale, but the the less competition you you have in that sale. If you're selling a product to address a short term tactical problem. You're in a field of many. You know, if you're selling a widget to address a, a short-term technical problem, but if you are going to help them achieve, if you can, if you can show how working with you is going to help them achieve a really high-level aspiration or goal, then you start to put yourself in a category of one, um, helping them imagine, imagine doing that and showing how you're going to help them achieve that high-level aspiration. Then that's where you're really starting to differentiate yourself. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I um, the value proposition comes into this, doesn't it? You know, in, in the way that you discover um, what's important to to the customer and almost delving really deep into um, the value they may give different things. What is the weighting? I've, I, I have this exercise where we look at the weighting of what's important to, to the customer. Yeah. Um, Often customers don't do that themselves, but that's your job to actually help them to identify really what's what's important to them, why it's important, what are the impacts and all, all of that in the uh, discovery. And once you do that, then you can really focus on, on, you know, imagining 
the world as they would ideally um, yeah. want it. So, so yeah, I think that's that's brilliant. Okay, so um, I know that you talk about um, focusing on on value proposition and articulating it. So, tell me more about that. Yes. Yeah, so, as I say, that that's really all about um, coming up with a strategy for for your message based on based on you know what is the value that you offer to your clients um and 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 by the way the other thing to, to say there is you know value is very individual um you know i i I sometimes say to people, well, what's the value of an umbrella? And they say, well, to keep off the rain. And I said, well, now imagine you're sitting on a tropical beach and the, and the sun's beating down. What's the value of an umbrella then? Oh, yeah, well, you know, so you've got to really understand the customer, articulate that value uh, and, and create the strategy for the message. And then it's about making sure that you get that message out there through, I, I use uh, sort of 10 key communication formats to get that message out there and out into the world because it's all very well having the strategy um, but you know you, you don't want it to be your best kept secret so you want to then get that message out there into the world and the whole point about connect convince convert is that some uh, some forms of communication are about connection some are about convincing and some are about converting so it's a sort of an ecosystem where um, you know different parts of your communication implementation do different parts of that job, the connecting, convincing, converting, which is what all communication has to do in the end. That's the customer journey is they have to be connected. You have to connect with them. You have to convince them. You have to convert them. And uh, so it, it's all about um, getting it out there in the right formats with the right message to do that, to do that, that job. Mm. So tell me about the, the 10 forms of content then. How does that fit in with um, your, your format? Yeah, yeah, sure. So once we've done the strategy, we then build an implementation plan that says, right, which, well, we, we do a sort of an audit because most, most organizations have already got some forms of, of content. So the, the 10, oh gosh, we're going to test me now because I haven't got a crib <laughs> sheet here. So it's, uh, it's an elevator pitch. It's a website. It's brochures. It's articles. It's case studies. It's proposals. It's a LinkedIn profiles. Uh, that's eight of them. Uh, yeah, the others, yeah. the others will come to me. But you know, so um, so the uh, most most people will already have some of those. So what we do is we then say, let's look at what we we've, we've said is our message strategy. What we've said is the strategic positioning that we want to go for. We know who our audience is, what the benefits are, and then which of our forms of communication have we already got? How good a job are they doing? Do we need to rewrite them? Do we need to um, do we need to add more to them? They might not be doing case studies. They might not be doing articles, for example. So then we build an implementation plan that normally takes, you know, they would do that over three, six, or twelve months, and 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 longer, of course. Um, so so we then yeah we match the implementation plan to what they've currently got and what that message what that message is. So are there some forms of content that are more suited to the connection or more suited to the convince? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So, for example, connection, you know, your LinkedIn profile is, is a prime example. I mean, it does it does do some convincing as well. Um, your website is absolutely, especially if you've got great you know, SEO, you, your, your website is a form of connection. And and, you know, it's, your website has to be a mirror. People have to see themselves. And I see so many technology companies who've got a website that's all me, 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 me. We're great at this. But, 
you know, a website, a really good website, which is a mirror of the people who come to it, they can see themselves and see their issues. That's absolutely about connection. Convincing is things like um, articles, um, you know, not ads, <laughs> we're not talking about articles that are about how great you are, articles that discuss key industry issues, key customer problems that share useful information. That's all about convincing. And then, uh, you know, conversion, look, to be honest, if you've done a good job connecting and convincing, the conversion sort of almost happens, happens itself. But um, things like presentations, that's number nine, presentations can be a great way to, uh, to convert. A website can be part of conversion as well. So yes, it, it truly is an ecosystem. And in the book, I actually explain, I go through all 10 and explain which roles they do, you know, how they help connect, how they help convince and how they help convert and say some of them do all three, some of them just do one. Um, but yes, they all play a different role. Brilliant. Excellent. All right, I just want to delve into your 30 years experience of, of, of working in sales in the tech mm. industry. And you would have seen a lot over that period of time and the way people perceive you uh, as as well as a woman in sales mm. so one of the the important campaigns is diversity in sales that that we talk about a lot on this um podcast so tell me more about what you have seen as as the changes and whether you feel that we have progressed or whether, you know, what the impact is, or, or, or whether we haven't progressed and there's, there's more to be done. I'd love your perspective. Yeah, um, look, when I first um, joined the tech sector, looking back on it, there were times, for example, when I'd, I'd sit in a, a meeting and I'd look around the room and I'd sometimes think, oh, I'm the only woman here. But I didn't ever feel that I was disadvantaged. I, I felt, I felt quite, uh, I felt, um, certainly didn't feel anything other than fully equal to my to my male peers. I think as I progressed in seniority, that changed a little bit. I, I did I did reach um, a, a pretty senior position, and there was never a barrier based on being female, but it was more the little insidious. You know, I had a boss once who said, "Oh, you know." I, I've got no problem with women. Some of my best people are women. And you think, yeah, it, it doesn't need saying. And I, I was in a, I was in a, you know, of course, nobody talks about their salary, but I did find out it was after I left, you know, I did find out that my, and I was, by the time I got quite senior, by the way, I was the only one in my position in, I was working in Australia at that time. Uh, and I was in, the only one in my position so it wasn't quite so easy to compare, but I did find out after I left that my male counterparts in other countries um, were earning considerably more than me. Now, maybe they were just better than me, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. So I don't think it's gone away. I think that, I think it's, I think, I think that, as I say, in the early days, it wasn't so noticeable that may have been my naivety, certainly from the point of view of what was acceptable in terms of harassment and that sort of thing. It was dreadful looking back on it. You know, I mean, I don't mean that anything really bad happened, but just what we thought of as the norm was terrible things that I wouldn't dream of accepting nowadays. Um, but I think when I was in, in more sort of junior roles, it wasn't so noticeable. It was as I, as I gained seniority, 
but it was it was insidious rather than um, obvious. Mm. And, and I was in a I was in an interesting position. My husband, uh, we have we have two children grown up now, but my husband gave up work for eight years um, when they were little to be the primary carer. And so I and I worked part time and then full time. Um, and if there's a phrase I never want to hear again, it's working mother. You know, you get you get things like that, which has so much implicit bias and sexism in it. You know, so I don't think we're fully. I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, yeah. I think your your experience is really interesting and and and, and valid. Um, I always like to ask ask this question of men and and women um, to get their perspective. I've got my own views and my own experience of of um, working in sales as as a black woman. So I think it's useful just to keep talking about it. And there'll be other people that are listening to that that um, uh, you know have experienced similar things, really. And I think it's important because. The, the stats of, of um, women in, in sales in senior leadership is, hasn't changed or no. women in, in uh, sales hasn't changed enormously in the last 20 years. So that alone tells us that we're not making very much um, progress. So I think we need to just keep campaigning and pushing. Really. And, and I, think, I think there's another side to it as well, which is that when my husband gave up work for those eight years, yes, it clearly damaged his career set back his career but that wasn't the most important thing to him and that was a decision we made together but I still know very 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 few men who take career breaks to look after children and the reality is you know when children are little of course you can manage with two of you working but you know maybe some couples want to have one person who 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 does take on that primary role I think it's still very very difficult for men to say I've got to leave early pick up the kids from school or I want a year off um to do to, you know years paternity leave so I think it's not only about making things different for women but I actually think that it's not just about giving women the same rights as men but giving men the same it's not that they don't have the rights but the socially it's still it's still so hard for men yeah. my husband was you know look he's he stands up for himself he's pretty you know he was great he knew that was his decision that was great but a number of people who sort of said oh you're a kept man and oh you're on the golf course all the time and all these silly silly comments and and you know I think part of what needs to happen is that it becomes much much more acceptable for men to take breaks because or, or to or to take much more of a part in the domestic life yeah I think absolutely. that would help women a lot I, I think I think you're right, and I think that's a, a really good point. If if more men took career breaks and then challenged the societal norms when they came back, then that means that women wouldn't have to continually challenge the societal norms because I think, hang on a moment, I'm not I'm not putting up with this, I'm not suffering this, and yeah. then they can say, well, actually, women are having to suffer this all, all the time. Um, so so you're right. We want parity. You know, yeah. that's what we want. Um, so, yeah, I, I will continue to talk about this. <laughs> mm. um, so your your book is 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 launched. Yes. What's what's the, the next uh, thing on the agenda for you? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so I'm uh, looking to do some more speaking. Uh, I have done a, a bit of uh, a bit of speaking. Um, and particularly when I was in the, in the tech sector uh, at conferences and things. But I'm looking now to. Um, 
to uh, get get much more into the uh, into the world of, of speaking. I really enjoy it, and I think I've got a message that that resonates with with um, with my audience, my you know technical technical companies. So that's really um, you know I'll continue on with the the um, the consulting and the writing, um, the content creation, but speaking is my next um, yeah the next sort of drive for me. You want to get it out there, get the message yeah. out there, which is uh, yeah. so. How can listeners get hold of you, Carol? Yes, uh, that uh, they can. Um, so they can get hold of me at Carol Benton at wordstowin.global. So it's words, and then it's a number two and win um, dot global. Uh, that that's my email address. They can connect with me on LinkedIn, Carol Benton. Um, if anyone would like to check out the book, they can go to Amazon and search on Connect, Convince, Convert. Excellent. It's been a great pleasure speaking to you, um, Carol. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Yourselves podcast. Thank you, Janice. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the captioned show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.